you're not given everything that you can handle, but you have to learn how to live with everything you're handed. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So today we have an interesting story, a story that's going to probably resonate with many of you people who have been through adversity or seen trauma in your life. And I'm just so, so grateful for our guest coming on and being willing to share her experience and talking about how she's now almost found her life's mission. But unfortunately, it's came through a big, big tragedy. And I remember releasing a quote, I think it was a few weeks ago, actually, about how we often find meaning either through suffering or service. And it seems in this case, it was through suffering. So I'm very, very excited to welcome Rosaria onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. So how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And thank you so much for having me on. And I hope I can help some people out there. I have no doubt you're going to help people because what you've been through is I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone in the world. And I want to say this the right way. I'm so happy, I suppose, that you are now in a better place where you found some positive from that, that you're able to now put out into the universe and hopefully to the Find Your Voice listeners. So Rosaria, at this point, what I no normally like to ask my guests is to understand them a little bit, to understand why they do what they do, what makes them get up in the morning, what are the things that they're doing on a daily basis so if you wouldn't mind, if you could maybe give us a backstory into a little bit of your life and what brings you here today on Find Your Voice, please. Well, I started out as a educator for special needs and I taught for about 10 years and my son was diagnosed towards the end of that time. And he was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma at the age of three, well, two. And then things kind of started to shift. And I saw that advocacy and advocating for my son was of the utmost importance. Uh, and I also didn't have outside of my family a huge support system like I'd like to provide for parents today. And that's through my podcast, Living on Scanxiety, to help parents realize what's out there, how to handle situations. And I just want to provide that for parents. And that's how it really came about because I was inspired through my son and advocating through him. So I aim to support and form and uh, promote hope for parents, despite what I've been through. And he did pass at the age of three. I'm so sorry to hear about that. I know um, obviously we've, we've exchanged emails and I, I kind of had that understanding as well. So the condition that you mentioned, it's it's a form of cancer, I believe. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes. It's a form of cancer and due to its location, which was on the right side of his calf muscle, he had to also undergo a 
amputation or a knee disarticulation, so from the knee down, and he was fitted with a prosthetic uh, about two and a half years old. Wow. And I suppose the first question that obviously springs to mind, I mean, I'm not a father, but I'm sure there's many, many parents listening to this, is how do you comprehend that? How do you go through that process? And if this is okay with you, if you could maybe explain maybe from the diagnosis to obviously the tragic outcome that cancer brought into your family? Well, I can say that the first day when we found out that it was cancer, we were brought into an office with about 10 doctors and they pretty much told us, you know, we're going to be your team throughout this time and we are going to work together um, to have the best outcome for your son. He's stage four and he is diagnosed with a rare form of a sarcoma and it's rhabdomyosarcoma. So it's going to be a fight. And I looked the doctors in the eye and I said, do you think he will make it through this? And they said yes, and he has a lot of promise, but, and they listed down the side effects, long-term side effects of what he would go through. And that would include the inability to reproduce and also depending on how successful the chemotherapy and the radiation treatments were, he would have to have uh, the amputation. And he also would need radiation. And the radiation, because he's so young, would be essentially disturbing his growth plates. And growth plates are basically what make you grow. So they release some type of, I forget what it's called, but they release some type of uh, hormone or something that causes your bones to grow. So if you fry those, in other words, radiate them, then it gets stunted. And once they're frozen or stunted, they don't grow past um, whatever they are intended to grow. So his leg or thigh would remain the size of roughly between a three to five-year-olds. So that was a lot to take in. And, you know, they say you have either one of three, flight, flight, or freeze. And I was definitely in the flight, uh, not flight, fight. And I was sitting there, they told me this, and I wanted to know everything that could happen, all the side effects, and everything that was going to happen. They had taken him out of the room during this time. He was with a child life specialist, so that was good. And we had the support of my sister in the room, and my husband was there. Um, my sister was more in a freeze, and my husband was more in a, a flight in terms of just, like, shutting down and not being able to talk. So I, I was really in and asking all these questions and I had to know and nothing can prepare you for that. But in the back of my head, when I first saw his calf and I knew it was hard, I had in the back of my mind that, uh, this could be something worse and just, just the hope of it not being cancer. But then when we turned, uh, the corner and they had the big 
Jimmy Fund sign, which is in the United States, the one of the top ranking um, cancer treatment centers, uh, my heart just fell because I knew that this was going to be hell for him. And he was going to experience a lot of pain and trauma as well as us, but he was going to be the one that's going to be going through all that physical pain. I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just trying to obviously comprehend how, how that feeling could have, how as a parent you can handle that? I mean, the closest I can look at is obviously my siblings or the people very close to me in my life. And cancer has been a part of our family in terms of its ripped through my own uh, family. I, I've lost uncles to it. I've lo- I've got cousins who have it. I've lost friends to it. And it's just something that really just irks me that we've, we're unable to cure it. And when I hear it from it from such a young age, my heart just breaks because that's me. If that was me, and I'm just I'm just thinking in my current perspective and my current position, I would just be shutting the world off almost in a victim mentality. So the reason I say that is that I'm so grateful that you've actually taken this adversity and now your only mission and goal in life is to help other caregivers and to help other parents, not just through your podcast, but through the work you do. So I just think you need to be acknowledged. And um, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing, because I think it's extraordinary to not only just come through that deal with all that but then still have such a shining light in your presence and in the work that you do to try and help other people so i just want to acknowledge you for that first and foremost thank you i appreciate that and you know it isn't easy but i can't unsee the horrors of what i saw Mm. because it wasn't just my son it was collectively a lot of people and in fact my next door neighbor's grandson was diagnosed with cancer, I want to say three months before mine. So when you, just to shoot back a little bit, mm-hmm. when you get home after the cancer diagnosis, you just fall apart. I mean, we fell apart, we started crying and you get this gut wrenching, at least for me, this gut wrenching uh, feeling, you can't even describe it. You just, it's just in your stomach and you've just realized that you've lost all control. So you no longer have control over uh, helping your child and you can't control the situation and you're supposed to be able to do that and provide a safe environment. And as a parent, you can't, it's up to whatever you have, you have in front of you and that's chemo treatments, radiation, immunotherapy, and, um, obviously surgeries. So that is all given up. But the next day, the second day, um, I was sitting there crying and my next door neighbor came in and he was my son, Brody. He was playing. um, He couldn't see me crying from where I was standing. And she came over to me and she gave me this big hug and she had tears in her eyes too, but this might make me cry. But <laughs> she grabbed me by my shoulders and she said, I want you to look over at him. And I said, okay. So I looked over at him and he was happy and he was playing with blocks and he was doing his thing. And she just said, he's a happy boy and he's he needs you to be happy with him and enjoy 
moments. Don't just go through this and experience it on a whole journey. You need to take life moment by moment and enjoy and intake. So she said, when I leave, I want you to go over there and start crying and, and just go over and play with him and you'll have that memory. So if it wasn't for her, I don't think that I would have, that would have clicked with me. He's not healthy, but he has good days and I need to be a part of those good days. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to take that back ever so slightly before we jump on that point, if I may. Um, you mentioned something about losing control and I think that's probably the hardest the hardest thing to fathom and try and comprehend in your own mind is that you no longer as a caregiver for your child have control and I'm sure parents many parents have been put in the same position so as tragic as what you've been through the sad reality I suppose across the world is this happens to so many people which is which is truly truly heartbreaking and I want to ask you some advice on that if I may in a moment but what a wonderful piece of advice that your neighbor give you there because as you said that I was nodding my head before I almost got emotional as well in terms of it's very easy when adversity strikes or you know somebody's about to be taken away from you in your family to just see that now as a period of just tragic adversity and just being upset all the time crying all the time almost grieving before you actually have to grieve and that day comes and I'm just so grateful that the fact that you were able to find moments to enjoy and I just think that is such a beautiful lesson that maybe anyone who's going through anything now try and focus on the good days as much as possible because that uh, that time is going to happen irrespective so if you can try and get some memories out of it I think that is just great advice and then just segueing backwards to what I was saying if you wouldn't mind do you have any sort of advice for parents who well anyone I suppose who's been giving such horrible news such tragic news on how they can deal with it maybe after that second day moving forward to cope because i think the enjoying the moments one is absolutely fantastic it sounds so simple but sometimes we don't think about that yeah a lot of people don't think about it i didn't think about it and like you said it's kind of like grieving the person before anything happens and you shouldn't do that but you're going to be laid out with statistics you're going to be laid out with uh, just everything that their child is possibly going to go through. Then you're going to have anxiety, And what that is for people that don't know is the anxiety that you feel before scans or is the chemo treatment working? How bad is uh, what we're looking at? What stage is it at? So all that anxiety. And I just say to those people, yes, take it moment by moment, but statistics are statistics. And I know a child, actually the grandchild that I was talking about of my next door neighbor, he had a 1% chance of survival, one. And he is cancer-free, not no evidence of disease. He is more than five years out and he is so happy. He's in school, he's running around. So there are success stories no matter what. And I always tell people never give up and every single second have hope that and just never give up that feeling that your child is gonna survive and fight like they're going to survive. Because if you're just, oh, I'm doing maintenance and 
making my child comfortable. No, have the hope that you're doing this for, for whatever reason. And also, really important, make a list of requirements. I always found that this was really important for me. I This might sound silly, but I watched a movie, um, My Sister's Keeper, and the parents kept trying to um, keep their child alive. And I said, oh, I would never do that Like if the child was in so much pain. Now, flash forward, I'm in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself and, and my husband, I said, we need to make a list. So if Brody's not meeting these things and he's just living, you know, he's just present and yeah. he's not alive um, and he's not having good days at all and the chances are slim or there are none, then we're going to have to make the hard decision to stop treatment. So that's what we did. And uh, it's not a matter of losing hope. When we found out that his treatment wasn't effective anymore, having that list was uh, very important for us because it was almost like, we want your life to be like this and we don't want you to be tortured essentially. So just having, having something to aim for. And I'm not saying aim for every day needs to be a good day, but you know, uh, just things like just small things, you know, they can smile, they can laugh or um, maybe anything you think is key. And, you maybe even older the child is go over it with them because keeping open lines of communication with your child is super important if they can voice their opinion. And um, also I want to note addiction. So a lot of the side effects of chemotherapy are require opiates and parents don't realize, and I didn't realize, that your child can so easily get addicted to these medications. So here you have my son, which I didn't realize until after, and I was so sad that this happened because I kind of attributed his spitfire personality to only the chemotherapy, whereas it was really him coming off of and down and off of up and downs of the opiate treatment. Now he didn't have a lot, so he was tiny. It was like a drop. I don't know the concentration, but it was a drop. And you could easily tell now looking back on it, that his personality shifts were when he was coming down off of the opiate. And so for parents to know that ahead of time, I think is really, really critical that side effects of medications to curb the side effects of chemo um, can have a effect that they might not be thinking about. Thank you so much for sharing that. Again, I've not, I've not come across that myself or I've not even heard that conversation mentioned. So maybe that's um, definitely some useful news for anyone, especially when they're creating that list of requirements, which which I think you've said really, really well, actually. I think you articulated that perfectly because it isn't a matter of losing hope. In fact, what it's actually doing is when you're in a better state of mind, i.e. you're thinking more with logic and you're not being selfish towards your own emotions and your own needs, you're thinking, how is my child living or what are the requirements to actually say that they're enjoying life? They're, they're not just suffering or being tortured, as you said. And I think 
if you can make that list earlier rather than as it as it kind of progresses because I, then i can only imagine as humans we're all selfish individuals we all want what we want we all desire things we all require things and especially from a child's perspective as much as we can probably see their pain sometimes letting go might be the most difficult thing whereas you and your husband i i think and and again i'm i'm not i'm just one man's opinion i think you made the right decision there by having a set of requirements that should those requirements not be met you then have to make a very very strong decision so i think i think that's a perfect perfect point and probably something that people don't think about yeah and like you said it it is so easy to um just want to jump into having your child at all costs and that's why i said if they can voice their opinion and a lot of children can and especially if they're even five or older (laughs) 10 or over is ideal but you know can you do this can you go through this do you want to experience this treatment anymore can you handle this and in some cases you'll have the tragic answer no and and so you need to look at this list of requirements for them that they probably helped create and and respect that because it isn't just all about you. So thank you for, um, I don't know, giving me some, some praise on that note. No, absolutely. And remember, we all do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have and the resources. I just think it's, it's definitely food for thought for me it's definitely something that I've not seen especially within my culture as well and I think it's something that needs to be said so thank you actually for bringing that to light and also um, just on the on the children and asking their opinion again a a fantastic point because I think I was doing some research on um, a video of mine on on the YouTube channel about expectations and how expectations that they can affect our happiness um, whether it's expectations from our parents or from our spouses or other people and during my research of that particular video it said children start to develop a personality as early as the age of four. So when you said five, I was like, yeah, absolutely. By the age of four and five, they're starting to develop their character and their personality. And I think having that open dialogue with a child and not being so, I don't know if arrogance is the word, but not being in a position where you think, well, their opinion doesn't matter. I think that's a very, very dangerous thing. So Zari, I just, you know, hats off to you and your husband for, for what you've been through. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I do want to just, segue if I may ever so slightly to what you're doing today which I think is absolutely incredible you've made it your life's mission now to take what you've been through to take those experiences to take that adversity to now doing your own podcast to helping caregivers could you give us a little bit of insight towards that because find your voice I believe we can help people go through adversity through anxiety through mental health and I try and hit on a lot of different topics but for something more specific I think your podcast would be an incredible, useful resource for anyone listening who may just want to know who is a parent, for example. Yeah, my podcast is geared towards all caregivers. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people that have older children that are diagnosed, and we call that the AYA community, 
so up to about 30 years old, you're going to still have a caregiver and you might not have a significant other. So your parents can be taking care of you. And I think it's really important to have a support system and know what's out there. And there are numerous things out there and there are numerous people going through what you're going through and hearing other stories is sometimes helpful because maybe something pops up and you say, Oh, I didn't think about that. So, my main mission is my mission statement is to support inform and promote hope for hair uh, caregivers and i really think that in each episode i make sure anybody that comes on can do that for a parent or caregiver uh, in general and so i just want to say if you're interested at all and even just knowing what pediatric cancer is about to tune in as well because you might have a friend going through this and hearing other stories can really really help you especially uh the parents like what to say what not to say the survivors also talk about that um and i i just give them so much praise for coming on uh, because it's not an easy topic to discuss and then we have organizations as well that come on nonprofits, and they discuss different things that they can provide for their children and i also uh, include specialists so social workers and oncologists and we just recently had a yeah, orthopedic surgeon uh, pediatric orthopedic surgeon come on so for he discussed a little bit about growth plates and bone cancers and uh, things that he does like that. And also when you wheel your child off into, and you say goodbye and they're headed into the surgery room, I asked him who else is in there with you? Because you kind of, as a parent, you're just, okay, see you later. And then they come back from surgery and who was helping my child? Who was in there? You want to know the specialists and it can be scary. So having episodes even like that helps, I think. And uh, yeah, so, and, and not losing hope was another episode where a person had a child that had a very low percentage of success rate and he really had no hope. And it's just about him saying, oh my gosh, there's, I got to follow through and I have to believe that this can happen uh, in, a, in a more positive direction. We, we'll do maintenance to make him feel comfortable. And then it all started turning around and becoming more positive. And all of a sudden he found his own hope. And so never give up. So I try to provide all those topics for people. I love it. And you forgot the most important thing, the name of the podcast, please. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so, people, so people can tune in. <laughs> yes, um, you can tune in on any podcast forum. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Alexa, everything. So, and it is called Living with Scanxiety. So S-C-A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. And if you're a part of the cancer community, you probably know what that is and how to spell it, but... Um, that is the name of the podcast. So I hope you guys do tune in and oh, absolutely check it out. It's it's really 
I've gotten some good feedback and how beneficial it's, in, it's been for individuals. Bless you. Absolutely. What I will do is obviously put all of that into the show notes for anyone listening. And what I'll try and do as well after this show is I'll take this segment out and I'll put it onto Instagram and Facebook and try and get parents who may be struggling, who may be going through similar stuff to maybe what you've been through or what your guests have been through to maybe just check out your podcast because I think there's going to be a huge amount of resources there to really, really help them. So again, thank you so much for the work you're doing. And it's strange because you were saying something earlier about providing hope for caregivers. Now, when I started Find Your Voice, I started for three reasons. Firstly, I thought it was a play on words, i.e. anxiety. It was me trying to find my own voice because I suffered with shyness and chronic anxiety most of my life. The second was to let people know that what they're going through, i.e. their adversity, it's not just happening to them and their story is not mundane and that other people have been through what they've been through or maybe worse or maybe not as bad, but they persevered on the other side. So again, to inspire that level of hope to them. And then the final reason, moving on to my point, was that I have some foster siblings who have come through the care system. So I was a social worker in my previous occupation and I realised that they won't necessarily be able to live the life full of opportunities that maybe somebody like myself or yourself are able to live and I always wanted to be an advocate for them I always wanted to be that voice that's kind of where find your voice that whole name and the whole idea behind this concept came up so we're very aligned in that and I absolutely love what you're doing because I think to do something like this and to be able to speak about it every single day you have to be passionate about it because it's very taxing and draining on, on, on your mental health as well I'm not sure how you find that but I find hearing stories like this as as much as I'm happy that you're in a much better place now it does upset me and you know my heart goes out to you for what you've had to go through and I think kudos to you or anyone else doing this kind of work out there so thank you for doing what you're doing yeah definitely and thank you for what you do because like you said it does affect you I can't sit here and say it doesn't emotionally have any um effect on me because of course it does uh, i've been through it and but at the same time i know in the back of my mind that this is helping somebody and this is going to do for somebody that i wish i had done for me and speaking about social work i am in a program in boston at uh, boston massachusetts in the united states and it i'm getting my social work degree and i want to help families um, as well and I think it will probably hopefully uh, turn my podcast into um, even more of a reach and also working directly with families so I admire everything that you've done and you. <laughs> and, and you are going through or you've been through and so much so you too wow Absolutely. that's amazing thank you and and I think that's one of the things I realized with find your voice is when I just got on a microphone and I had the courage to speak about the things that I've been through and then share stories of what others have been through people found strength in those stories and then it almost started to encourage especially some of my earlier guests to then go out and maybe start podcasts or start YouTube channels or start public speaking or start their own business because I, I try and always say I'm like the most average normal human being in the whole world and I'm thinking if we can get over a hundred and 50,000 downloads across the world just through our stories your stories are just as important so I really encourage people to find their strength to find their light to find whatever makes them unique and share that with the world and um, because they, they matter they help and all these stories of adversity it's not just to make people cry that's never been my goal but it's just to show you that 
perspective, gratitude, and to recognize that sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and we're all facing our own battles uh, on a on a daily basis. And on that note, if if I may, I, I want to know about how you're facing your battles even more today. So you've been through everything that you've been through, but I'm a firm, firm believer that our routine, the habits that we have in place, the things that we put into our mind, into our body, the people we have around us are so, so important for having that passion, for pursuing our goals with conviction and doing great work like you're doing. So if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners and myself a little bit about certain things that you do on a daily basis that are non-negotiables that maybe they could perhaps implement into their days as well, please. Definitely. So I decided that health is up most important for me in terms of in taking care of myself. So I do I not drink at all anymore. I used to recreational, you know, go out with your friends or something. So I do not do that anymore. I do not um, stay up late like I used to. I am... I have another child, Lucas, and I just make sure my life is as healthy as it can be and eating um, healthy, just trying to be really, really healthy and not be healthy so I don't get cancer, but just be healthy so that I can be there for the people um, that need me most. And I also have epilepsy, so I have to take care of myself in that by making sure I'm taking my medications and I don't have seizures and um, all of those things. But then that trickles down to mental health because I did lose my son. So I make sure that I am in a community with people that also lost their child so we can commiserate a grieving group. And it's just for parents with um, the loss of their child through cancer. And then also I have individual grieving counseling. And I think that that is really beneficial and I don't need depression meds because of it. So um, I also make sure I work out and by working out, I just mean take walks. I'm not some heavy gym goer, but I just make sure that, you know, I get out, I'm outside as much as possible, just taking in nature and appreciating all the time that I have with my son. I think it's given me a brand new outlook on life. And if it wasn't for COVID, I'd probably be out traveling someplace. So, I mean, that's a long answer to a question, but those are things that that's, those are the things that really stick to me and, um, and on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I, and I think those are the most important things that sometimes we forget because of the world, society, our jobs or whatever we're going through. And I think when we are hit with adversity, instantly our health, not just physical, but also mental comes into play. And I suppose that's one of the main things I try and push on this as well is to control the controllables. So we can't predict what's going to happen to our children or to ourselves but what we can do is at least try and put the odds in our favor in terms of looking after our well-being as much as possible so that when adversity does strike at least we're stronger to try and potentially cope with that so absolutely I I echo all of your thoughts there and I think walking is such an underrated form of exercise so in my previous occupation prior to a social worker I was also a personal trainer as well so one of the things I always say is if you if you're struggling just to get into shape or anything 
get out for a walk, get some vitamin D in you, go for a walk in nature or however you're doing, just get moving because it's so, so important. So great points once again. So if you're committed to not only enhancing your mental health, but also your physical well-being too, then you need to check out our new sponsors, Health Excel, providing you the best superfood blends on the market in their non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and of course, organic formulas, they bring you superfoods like no others you have seen on the market. They also don't just stop there, as they provide you free consistent information to educate and empower you on your overall health and well-being journey. So don't just stop at the end of a Find Your Voice episode. Get yourself some XL blends and put the odds in your flavor. Once it goes live, there will also be a unique discount for anyone who comes from the Find Your Voice podcast, as you guys are now part of my family, and I only want to see you thrive even more. So check out the links in the description below and get notified as soon as they go live. Back to the episode. Um, on that note then, what I am going to do then, if I may, is segue into what I like to call at least the fun part of the show. And the rules are simple. The rules are one word or one sentence answers only. Are we um, Okay, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> You'll be absolutely fine. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay, brilliant. So the first question is, what is your favorite book? Lincoln's Code. It's about the laws of war in American history. And the next question is, what are you secretly good at that nobody knows? I am extremely well organized when it comes to school. I don't know. I can't come with anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Okay. The ability to read minds or predict the future. Predicting the future can be kind of scary. Mm -hmm. And I feel like reading minds can be a little bit intrusive so uh that's a tough one definitely read minds <laughs> okay well who is your biggest role model my biggest role model is queen elizabeth the first what would you like to be remembered for if i could be remembered for anything i would just like to be remembered for helping others i love that what's your biggest goal this year my biggest goal this year is to start writing a book Fantastic. Your favorite color? My favorite color is definitely purple. The ability to fly or be invisible? You didn't even have to stop at fly. I definitely <laughs> fly. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Um, the number one thing that annoys you? The number one thing that annoys me is when you're about to pull into a parking spot and someone just flies in right Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What is your biggest addiction? My biggest addiction is ice cream, haagen coffee. Every day, all day, I could eat that. Um, yeah, I love it. Netflix or YouTube? I love you, Netflix, but I'm going with YouTube. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. And finally, what song best describes your life? My favorite song that probably goes a little bit along with my life is Alicia Keys and Alejandro, I can't say his last name, and it's called Looking for Paradise. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that, actually. Um, sadly, that does bring us towards the latter part of the show. In the latter part of the show, we just have two questions based on reflection and legacy. So starting with reflection, one of the things that I truly believe in is that, yes, hindsight is a wonderful thing. We can learn ways to get to where we are quicker, easier, or with less heartache. But I truly believe the journey teaches us so, so much. And that I suppose everything happens for a reason. It really makes us who we are today. So what I want to know is if you can maybe go back to a younger you, a younger self, but with all your knowledge and all your wisdom now and whisper something in their ears, 
What would you say? I would tell myself that don't think people are corny when they say anything is possible and you just need to get there because there are some things in life where you say, oh, I can't do that. Or you might say, I want to do this and you don't do it because you don't know how to go about it. Well, you can figure out a way. There's a way to get anywhere that you want to be within reason. There's no way I could be a singer, but I could definitely do things. I just need other things within my reach and reach for them no matter what and be proud of who you are. So if you don't have a specific talent that you're interested in, like singing, then go on to something else and don't be afraid to try as many things that you need to try to get where you want to be. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's a really, really important lesson. Um, you can be quite skeptical in terms of thinking anything is possible. Um, so yeah, absolutely. The last question then sadly of the show is if in 150 years time, science fails to save us and all that exists is a book. Now this book is about you. It's about your life. It's about all of the amazing things that you've done and all of the people that you helped along the way. Firstly, what I want to know is, what would the title of this book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? You have to wait for the book to come out. No. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> um, gosh, the title. Titles are everything. Titles are everything. So this is a tough question because you know that and I know that because when we podcast, you have to have a good title. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So I think the title of my book would be, you're not given everything that you can handle, but you have to learn how to live with everything you're handed. So the back of the book would say, Rosaria was faced with many adversities through her life and through her adversity in her life, she, oh, shit, I can't think of how to put it. Um, can I just read it back of my history book here? Absolutely. No. <laughs> 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 One of the greatest people in this universe. No, um, <laughs> Rosaria's story begins at the age of 14 when she was diagnosed with epilepsy. She would no longer be able to do her dream or complete her dream of becoming a soldier for her country. Instead, she had to work with her adversities and find what she could do. She dug deep into the heart of other things that interested her. She became a history teacher and a history major. However, she lost her passion for teaching after her child died from cancer. His death brought about lifelong lessons for her. She dabbled for five years before finding herself as an advocate for other families and caretakers that were entering a world of childhood cancer. I love that. So Rosaria, at this point now, I want the listeners to follow you, to follow your journey, to maybe check your podcast out if they feel it's a fit. I certainly feel there's going to be lessons for anyone, whether you're a parent or not, 
in those particular episodes. What's the best place that we can connect with you? Where are you active on social media? Are you happy for people to reach out? I always say DM me if you have any questions and that would be through Instagram at Living Risk Anxiety. I also say contact me uh, through email. I also have a website, www.livingwithanxiety.org. And I post episodes up there. I have a blog. I have articles of the week, which are all different types of childhood cancer related articles. Um, so yes, there are so many ways you can reach me and please, please do feel free to reach out if you have any questions. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out. And I do hope that they're listening too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We will try our best to obviously get them to follow your journey because I think the work that you're doing, it deserves people to listen. I think it's something that deserves acknowledgement. So from myself, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day for joining the Find Your Voice family and sharing your story so bravely today because I can only imagine what you and your husband and your family and friends had to go through but I'm just so grateful now <clears throat> excuse me that you've come out on the other side to now live your purpose and just change so so many lives so thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out today and also for the listeners at home thank you so much for listening thank you And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.